This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Against Memphis in Game 6, joining us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Trent Tucker's got a ring to his name. He knows how this stuff works. I ran at the health club yesterday, so we, we got to talk about this, Trent, because this Game 6 is too important. Not to talk about, not just too important this week or this season, but in the big picture, the Minnesota Timberwolves organization. Uh, if they could find a way to win this series and forget what they do against Golden State, what that would do for this franchise would be transformative. And you don't get very many transformative kicks at the pianata, as they say. Trent, were you ever down three games to two and came back and won a series that you recall? Uh, yeah, 1990, I was down two games to zero. And at that time, the first round was, was best of five. Oh, oh, oh. And we were playing the uh, Boston Celtics. And the first two games in Boston, they blew us out. We kind of looked into the playoffs, not playing well, not a ton of confidence, team not connected together. So we go to Boston for games one and two, and they probably beat us by an average of 25 points or more. We go back to Madison Square Garden for game number three. Everybody thinking, well, you know, it's just a formality. You know, is 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 this thing is going to end tonight? Okay. And Kenny Walker, who is not known as a three point shooter, we up by two, and uh, what about I don't know, fifteen, twenty, twenty five seconds left in the game. Shot clock's running down. He throws up a three point shot from twenty five feet, knocks it down. We go up by five. We win the game by three. Now we go into game four. All of a sudden, we got new life. We got confidence. We feel better about ourselves. The garden is alive. We blow out the Celtic game four by 25 points in Madison Square Garden. Now you're going back to Beantown, huh? Now we're going back to Beantown for a decisive game five. At that time, only four teams had ever come back from being down 2-0 to win the playoff series in the best of five. We beat the Celtics in game five by 12, 14 points on the home floor. Really? And, you know, that shot Kenny Walker makes, we get confidence. We come out in game four, 
you thought that we were the best team in the NBA, and then we go to Boston. It's a nip and tuck game. I think I hit a three-point shot to put us up by three in the fourth quarter, and we never looked back from there. Now, you're playing against the former uh, golfer, Kevin McHale, right? Yeah. And Larry Bird, of course. What was it like for you? And and Dennis Johnson. And Dennis Johnson. But what was it like to play against McHale when you played uh, with him for the Gophers? Or does that wear off real quick? Yeah, and and you knew how good he was. And you knew that he was going to be a load for us to deal with. And, but it, it was it was nice to play against him because he said, hey, you know, here's a, here, here are two guys who played together at one point in time, and they both were good enough to make it to the next level. So that shows exactly how, how good our team was when, we, when I played for the Gophers. Okay, so, so now here come the Timberwolves against Memphis. I was out there today, and uh, Chris Finch is, is very frustrated that his team doesn't rebound better, offensive rebounds in particular. In fact, you know, John Morant almost looks like a hockey player sometimes, like just, just get a shot on net, and then if we if I miss it, there'll be somebody there for the rebound in the basket. Sometimes that's what it looks like he's playing out there. But that being said, the question that I asked Chris Finch today is, is rebounding about length or is it something else? And then he said it's about toughness, having tough dudes that are willing to punch first. Um, we don't see as many seven-footers, Artis Gilmore, McHale, that kind of length anymore. What is rebounding about, first of all? Can you rebound well with a small lineup? It's about technique. It's about when the shot goes up, and I was taught this from, from early days on as a basketball player. When the shot goes up, the first thing you do, you locate the man that you're guarding. And box him out. Locate, locate him first, box him out, and then, and then go find the basketball. What happens to a lot of kids in today's game, when the shot goes up, they lose sight of the man they're guarding. They follow the flight of the basketball. So then they walk into a space not knowing where their man is coming from, and then all of a sudden the offense player you know, gets a running start in the open lane to get to the offensive glass, and then when it becomes a jumping contest, more times than not, he's going to win that battle. So it's, it's all about technique. It's all about fundamentals. It's all about going back to the basics. When you play at this, at this time of the year, it's the small things that will get you beat, and, and if you lack fundamentals, if you lack technique, that's how you can lose a playoff series. Brandon Clark, what does he do? Because it seems like, and there are certain guys like this, Bobby Jackson used to be like this, you, you can't explain what, why is the ball always coming off to him? What, what, what do you because see from him? He's active. He chases, the, he tracks the ball down because there's nobody blocking him out. So when the shot goes up, he understands where the ball is going to come from, off the rim, if it's a miss. So he gets a running start. So he has a clear vision of where the ball is going to go. And the guy that's guarding him has no, has, no, has no awareness, has no sight of where he's at. So when you get that running start, he's already athletic. So now he gains that one-step advantage that he needs to get in position to offensive rebound. Okay. The second part of this is, and all the players seem to, to, I mean, they echo it. It's an echo chamber, but nobody does anything about it. Uh, um, they call it, you know, hero play at the end of games. Everybody wants to be the hero. And they're, and, they're, and they're taking the ball and they're deciding they're going to decide this thing and they end up with a lot of bad shots. Um, why not just call plays in the last two minutes? And and I, I know that even if you call a play, and I asked Chris about this as well today, uh, that that you still have, the point guard has the option. So if he thinks he you know if he thinks he can get to the basket, 
like D'Angelo Russell the other night and end up with a terrible shot, um, uh, you still have that as part of the option even if you call a play. But can't you call plays that require movement and passing at certain parts of the game? You should be able to. I mean, you know, do the Wolves have a go-to play, you know, in the last three to four to five minutes when they're trying to hold on to the lead? Do they have plays they can call where the best player now is in a position to touch the ball, you know, where he puts the defense on notice? You know, I saw, you know, in the fourth quarter of, of game number five, you know, when the Wolves were trying to hold on to the lead, Carl Anthony Towns was standing in the corner. Mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell was going one-on-one. Anthony Edwards was going one-on-one. Other guys were taking crazy wild shots as if they were down by 10 or 12 or 14 points. And when you're trying to, to hold on to a lead or you're nursing a, a, a 8 to 9 to 10-point lead, now you have to come down and execute. You have to know where you're going to go with the basketball. And in, and in the fourth quarter against Memphis, especially in game number five, the Wolves had no idea where the ball was going to go. You hear this about uh, Towns, that he, he wants to post up too high, that he needs to go low from time to time and, and then either draw contact or make a play. Uh, but that's just not his nature. He wants to bring it out. He doesn't want to go low block, so to speak, in the traditional sense that we know. Uh, does he need to go lower sometimes? Well, the play designed for him to catch the ball out high. You know, they run pick on, right? Where's yeah. he said the pick at? He said the pick at 28 feet, but he can't get down. Low. You can't get low from there. No, so he pops out to the mid range. He catches the ball at 15, 17 feet. He never starts. He never starts on the basket. There are no cross screens. There are no down screens. So, in, in the game today, primarily the big guy, if he's good offensively, he's always setting the pick and roll. He's picking and popping. You very, you very rarely see a big guy pick and roll to the basket or a guy catches the ball on the block. Carl Anthony Towns. When the game is on the line, they should have some sort of play where there's a cross screen for him where he comes from one block to the next block. He catches the ball. Now if the double team comes, he can locate. Mike can see where the double team is coming from. Okay, so, so now you got guys, now you got guys who are in a position where they can catch and shoot. You know, when you have your perimeter players with the shot clock running down and they got and they have to dribble the basketball four or five or six times, that's going to end up to be a bad shot. Only so few guys that I've ever seen, you know, throughout the history of basketball, are able to take five, six, seven, eight dribbles and beat the defense and make plays. Those guys are far few in between. Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, maybe Elgin Baylor. But we don't have that guy on our team. Now, if Carl Edwards catches the basketball and you come with the double team, he makes a kickout pass to Anthony Edwards. Now the defense got to decide, do I run and take the three-point shot away? He can ball fake now and get into the lane off of one or two bounces and make a play going to the rim. He doesn't have to take more than two dribbles. If the play is set up right and force the defense to – once the defense has to shift, now you can find an open shot or you can find driving angles to the basket. Trent Tuck is our guest. Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock uh, trying to decide who to make the number one pick overall for the second uh, year. Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson, uh, the two uh, most off-mentioned names. 
uh, both, uh, you know, one an edge rusher, but one's a defensive lineman from Georgia, and of course, Aiden Hutchinson from uh, Big Ten country in Michigan, uh, who will keep you updated as this thing trans- uh, moves along the, the Vikings with the number 12 overall pick. Okay, so D'Angelo Russell makes that terrible play the other night and, and gets a, a bad shot. What can a coach tell him? How do you control a veteran point guard like that uh, to try to get him to do something different? I would put Jared uh, McLaughlin in the game with him. Mm-hmm. At that and time in the game, the last couple of minutes, you mean? Yeah, and put the ball in McLaughlin's hands because he's going to run the offense. And, and, and then Russell becomes, and he is a skilled shooter, but he becomes a shooter instead of a decision maker. There you go. And all of a sudden now, see, you take, see, so instead of, and so instead of, of him thinking that you're trying to show him up or you're trying to embarrass him by taking him out of the game. He's still in. The ball, you put the ball in the hands of somebody else who will come down and make the simple play. McLaughlin will make the simple play. The offense will stabilize when he's in the game is because he's going to go to the right place at the right time with the basketball. So now you get DeAndre Russell off the ball, and if the ball swings back to him, now he's got the defense running at him so he can ball get up under, or he can take the open jump shot. So now you give him options where he doesn't have to think too much or try to do too much to get a shot off. All right, so, so you got the ball, and you got a tie game, and, you, and you're going for the win. And, and you've got McLaughlin, you've got Russell on the floor, you've got Anthony Edwards, you've got Carl uh, uh, Anthony Towns, and let's just say uh, Vanderbilt's there for, for just in case somebody misses as a possible offensive rebounder. What play right. would you call? Yeah, I, would, you know, I would go back to an old play that we ran for Bernard King back in the, in the 80s. But the play called 42, okay? And what 42 was that point guard would take the ball in the wing, okay? Two guard would go down as if he was going to post up. He would go all the way across the lane on the other side of the rim and set the screen for the big guy to come across. The big guy doesn't move until the guard gets all the way across the lane. You're going to pick the man. If they switch, hold that basketball as a point guard on that wing, let Carl Anthony Towns catch, stop in the middle of the lane. And if they force you to the block, now you catch the basketball. We got... 10, 12, 13, 14 seconds on the shot clock. Now you got to catch the ball and turn low kick. If a little guy's on, you catch the ball, turn and shoot as quick as you can because Memphis has no one on their team. If Carl Anthony Towns catches the ball at four to six feet from the basket, they have nobody that can block his shot. He has wonderful low post moves. So, Mike, put him in a position to make the shot. Now, if you don't like that action, have the four guy come down and set a screen down on Anthony Edwards. You pop him up to fifteen feet and say, "Go to work from there." Okay, so so if to, to, that place. For, for the Timberwolves to win tomorrow, what has to happen? Well, one, they have to get off to a good start because it's going to be uh, it's, the crowd is going to be is going to be energetic. It's going to it's going to be off the it's going to be off the rafters in that place. Get off to a good start, but they know if they get off to a good start. They know Memphis is going to make a run. They're going to have to control. They're going to have to control their emotions. They're going to have to keep Memphis off the offensive glass. They're going to have to get to those three-point shooters. And tomorrow night, my only major concern going into game number six, the Ja Morant wake up at the game number five. Uh-huh. Because for four and a half games or four games and three quarters, you know, he was not the player that everyone was talking about. And then all of a sudden, in the, in the end of the third quarter, when he gets the big slam dunk and into the fourth quarter, he became that guy once again. 
Will he become that guy tomorrow night when he has a free game to play with? So I, I think that the Wolves are going to have to play a complete basketball game for 48 minutes. And Carl Anthony Towns is going to have to stay out of foul trouble for one. And then he's going to have to be at his best. Trent, appreciate it very much. Always good to visit with you, my friend. Anytime, Mike. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.